Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. All right, most of you can relate to that feeling that you have when you're surrounded by people that you love on Christmas morning. Unfortunately, some people don't have that experience, but most of us do. We know what it's like, and memories for me always go back to my grandmother's house on my maternal side, just the way that family was always together. It was the same people, and you guys know the experience when, of when people start to pass away, but then you've got people having children and getting older and just the way that works, but the point is that you're always surrounded by all this love. This started to feel a little bit funny for us whenever we were living in Kentucky and I started pastoring because every Christmas Eve, we always did a Christmas Eve service there. It's just part of my job. And it was wonderful. We always had great services. We had a lot of people in the community that don't come to church or that went to other churches that were not having a Christmas Eve service. And it was always a great thing. But whenever you think about Christmas morning, you think about that getting up with your family and there's just this special kind of magic or this special kind of feeling that's involved that's important really from the time of childhood. And then whenever you have kids, you get to experience it again. And it's just this really, really cool thing. And then we start to have this experience, and this was for, for four years, where we Christmas morning for us was a drive, a three-hour drive, usually in a lot of traffic, and it's kind of like we're just, you know, catapulting to a few different places, and then sometimes we would even leave that night, and it just didn't feel the same. Again, wonderful Christmas Eve services. It was a wonderful sacrifice that our family did make, but the point that I'm making is that it feels good to know that you're surrounded, and being surrounded matters. So we're in week two of the Advent season. This is a time where we anticipate the arrival of baby Jesus with all the the presents and the music and the trees and all of these other things, even family, that can sometimes be a bit of a distraction. What we try to make sure that our focus is on is the birth of this child and the expectation of Jesus coming into the world to eventually forgive sins through his death and resurrection on the cross. That's what we celebrate, and that's what we're about. We're also in the second week of a Christmas series titled Emmanuel, God with us. This theme comes from an important passage prophesied around 700 years before the birth of Jesus. So the prophet Isaiah says it this way in Isaiah 7:14. Therefore the Lord will give you a sign the young woman is pregnant and is about to give birth to a son and she will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 700 years we see this proclamation through Mary in Matthew 123. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel. You notice with an E, that's the Greek transliteration. Emmanuel means God with us. There is little language as important 
and is intimate to reflect on, especially in this season when some people do really well with Christmas and other people really struggle through the Christmas season. So this idea, this intimacy of God being with us is something that is very, very important both individually, but also more importantly, collectively among the body. So last week we considered the story of Deborah and Barak. And this week I want us to view what we talked about was four Old Testament characters that we're going to look at. So last week was Deborah. And today we're going to look at this amazing story. It's one of my favorite stories. I know I say that all the time, but it's one of my favorite stories in scripture. And in week four, we're actually going to get to my favorite story in the Old Testament. But what we're going to talk about today is a short segment in the life of a prophet named Elisha, not Elijah. You have to keep in mind there too that are that are pretty prominent in first and second Kings. So we're actually talking about Elisha, who's going to come after Elijah. So we're going to be in second Kings chapter six, if you want to turn there, second Kings chapter six. Otherwise you can follow up with us on the screen right here. You can use your phone whatever translation that you want to use, perfectly fine. We're going to use the Common English Bible. That's what we usually use here. Second, Corinthians, Second Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 17. This is an absolutely wonderful story. So again, chapter 6, starting with verse 8 in Second Kings. Aram's king was fighting against Israel. He took counsel with his officers saying, I'll camp at such and such a place. The man of God sent word to Israel's king, beware of passing by this place because, of the, because the Arameans are going down there. Then Israel's king sent word to the place the man of God had mentioned to him. Time after time, Elisha warned the king and the king was able to stay on alert. Aram's king on the other side of that, who's trying to figure out where this information is coming from, was extremely upset about this. He called his officers and said, tell me, who among us is siding with Israel's king? So what he's saying is, obviously this news keeps getting to the Israelites. We've got to have a, a mole or a rat or a traitor or somebody within our group that is continuing to leak this information to Israel. But one of his officers said, Nobody, no one's doing this, your majesty. It's Elisha, the, is the Israelite prophet who tells Israel's kings the words that you can speak in the, pro the words that you're speaking in the privacy of your own bedroom. So Elisha knows what is going on in the privacy of the king. All these conversations that are happening about battle, about ambush, about takeover. He knows everything that's going on. He said, this is the king, go and find out where he is. Then I will send men to capture him. They told him he is in Dothan. So the king sent horses and chariots there with a strong army. Kind of like parallel to the story that we talked about last week when we talked about the 900 chariots that could be coming out against you. This is the same situation. It appears that Elisha is in trouble and this is about to take a turn that is absolutely amazing. It's absolutely incredible and it can change your life today if you pay attention to what's about to happen. So the king sent horses and chariots there with his strong army. They came at night and they surrounded the city. So everything looks grim. Elisha's servant got up early and went out. He saw an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. That's pretty scary. 
His servant said to Elisha, Oh no, master, what will we do? He sees that they are surrounded by the opposing army. And this is what Elisha, with the boldness of Deborah from last week, this is what Elisha says. Don't be afraid because there are more of us, more of us than there are of them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw the mountain was full of horses and fiery chariots surrounding Elisha. There are so many directions that we could take with this passage. This is an absolutely wonderful story. I've already said it's one of my favorite stories. But in order to really fully illustrate the character of Emmanuel or God with us, this is the direction that I want to go. I want to ask you this question, and it's a very important question that you can answer today. And whenever you leave, your response can be different than what it was whenever you came in. So here's the real simple question. As it pertains to this story, do you primarily identify with Elisha's servant or do you primarily identify with Elisha? Do you primarily identify with Elisha's servant or do you primarily identify with Elisha? So first, let's examine Elisha's servant. There's this servant's name is Gehazi. And I'll briefly mention that he doesn't have a wonderful reputation. In fact, if you know anything about 2 Kings, if you've read this in the past, the previous chapter, he tries to swindle Naaman. Naaman is a leper. He tries to swindle Naaman out of some money after Elisha heals him. As a result of his misdeeds, Elisha then transfers the leprosy to this servant. It's not a great way to learn a lesson, but he's punished for his misdeeds. So let's pick up the story in verse 15. Elisha's servant got up early and went out, and this is some of you in here right now, and he saw an army, an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. Okay, so he sees all the danger. He sees all the problems. His servant said to Elisha, and this is so many of you to God, oh master, what will we do? How are we going to handle this situation? We are completely surrounded. The enemy is here. There is destruction for me. Things look really, really bad. What are we going to do? So the servant, and this may be some of you in here today, sees all of the obstacles. The servant sees God blessing other people. You know that feeling? When you see all these good things happening in other people's lives, but it seems that you are the one that continues to struggle. You are the one that continues to hurt. You're the one that only presently seems to be problem, have problems because the world on Instagram looks so perfect to so many people. You know, there needs to be like a real documentary or a real story, a really good article about the reality of people's lives on the other side of social media and what it really looks like. And how many times they actually had to take that selfie to make it look as perfect as they feel like they want it to, to look. That's not real life. 
People are hurting. People are broken. People have a lot of good things that happen. We have reasons to be grateful. We have joy. We have a lot of other things. But people have everyday problems. But sometimes we say, well, why is God doing for that person or this person, especially whenever you consider them to be undeserving? But these same problems continue to happen over and over. The servant Gehazi sees a God who forgets. How many of you are in a situation where you feel like God has forgotten about me? I I need this to take place in my life. God said he would deliver me. God said that everything would be okay. God said my kids would be okay. God said my family would be okay. God said the job would be okay. But some people, what you see is a God for who forgets. He also sees a God who fails to protect. It certainly appears that way if he doesn't have the eyes of faith. And he looks out and he sees nothing but an army that is seeking to destroy him on every single side. A God that abandons people. Some of you feel like there was a time in your life when my faith was growing. It seemed like I was kind of investigating this Christianity thing and I was trying to go forward in some positive ways and everything seemed really good. But all of a sudden, God isn't present. I talk to God, it feels like my prayers are going nowhere. I feel like I have every single reason to doubt. This is the servant that sees all of the obstacles. Is this this the God that you see, the God who's a disappointment, the God who only wants to point out all your struggles, the God who doesn't forgive, the God who isn't hopeful. Have you ever been in a place before where you felt like God just wasn't big enough for your circumstances? See, some of you serve a very, very small God. Some of you serve, a, and a lot of people serve a God that really can't do much of anything. This really distant God that maybe just helps certain people a little bit, but certainly has no desire to help you with the things that you are going through. I fear that we are so busy sometimes trying to do God's job for God. A lot of times that's what we do. We pray about something, and the second we pray about it, take a toxic relationship, for example. You're in a situation where you're just like, God, I'm going to turn this over to you. I know this is bad for me. I know that this is not something that I should be involved in. God, I'm never going to go to that place again. I'm never going to touch, I'm never going to touch that drug that I'm never going to drink again. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do I'm never going to do those things again. But then all of a sudden, because things don't happen on our timetable, the way that we believe we don't get that shot of joy, that injection of joy or of peace when we feel like we should get it, we find ourselves trying to play God over and over and over, and we constantly feel surrounded. The servant sees the horses and the chariots that are surrounding the city. And this is where so many people are. And there have been times in my life that I've only seen the critics. And there have been times in my life that the only thing that I felt is the overwhelming uh, feeling of anxiety. There have been times in my life that I felt like I've not been able to work beyond my own abilities. And I felt that my situation was just too much for God. You know, I've never thought about it this way because I guess I've never, I've just never had this this frame of mind. But I was talking to this guy in Kentucky one day. He was new to our church and I was having lunch with him. And he said, I just always felt that God was pretty busy and didn't really have a whole lot of time for my problems. You know, this is going on in our marriage. I've had drinking issues in the past. Uh, I've got these issues with anxiety. These things are going on. And I guess I've just always felt not really fully understanding the character of God or what God is, that maybe God is just too busy 
for the things that I have going on in my life. When you feel this way, you are completely powerless as far as what God actually wants to do. And this is exactly where the enemy wants you. Exactly where the servant is. Now let's examine the difference because there's another side to this. And this is through the life of Elisha. This is what the passage tells us in 16 and 17. This is incredible. And I'm telling you today, with whatever you are going through, this is is fundamentally on on the most basic human level. As far as your senses are concerned and what you can perceive in this world. This is absolutely life changing. If you can get this. So we have the servant. He's scared. He sees all the obstacles. He's probably a somewhat rational person. So he can see all of the things about this goes beyond just being a glass is half empty kind of person or a pessimistic person. This is a person that doesn't see the work that a real God does. And you know, these people, woe is me. Life is bad. I can never overcome this thing. This is too much of a problem. And it's just such a false, false understanding of the God of the Bible. And I know some of you have been hurt by religion. I know that some of you have been hurt by churches. And you've been hurt by church people. But what Elisha is able to see is so far and so mature beyond what the servant, the servant is able to see. So this is what he says. There are a few good pieces of advice here, and we're going to break them all down. This is what he says. Don't be afraid, Elisha said, because there are more of us than there are of them. Think about that first. There are more of us than them. Okay, so Elisha, I know you've just struck me down with leprosy. I may not, I may not be in very good standing with you, but I'm looking around And we're in some real trouble here. There's some real issues. And in case you can't tell, we're about to die. All right, something's about to happen. So there are more of us than there are of them. Wow. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes so that he may see. There are people in here today and listening online, and you may be Christians, or maybe you're not. But the truth is, you just can't see. When we're talking about eyes of faith, when we're talking about the way that we navigate through every single thing in our lives, you have to learn to open your eyes and see. And most people, they either refuse to do it, they don't know how to do it, no one has instructed them of the importance of it, but it's simply a God is not there, God is not with me. God is not overseeing my family. God doesn't care about me instead of seeing what is actually there. Lord, please open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw that the mountain was full of horses and fiery chariots surrounding Elisha. You know, there have been times that I have prayed over my wife when she has been in great mental despair. But I have known that outside of our house, 
on Mays Branch in eastern Kentucky, we were surrounded. And there have been times in my life that the depression or the anxiety or the struggle to drink again or the doubt or the, the criticism or whatever it may look like has felt overbearing and I have felt so alone. And I have been able to see faces and personalities and people that I've had difficult relationships with around me, and including the enemy, just wanting me to fail and just wanting me to stop. But then understanding this beautiful visual that there is an army surrounding me at all time, times. And as I walk forward into the unknown, into very scary moments, into the uncertainty of what the future may bring, that I am not walking alone. And it is not simply just God that is going with me. That's enough, obviously. But that there is an army surrounding me at all times. And I'm safe. Like I'm not just okay. I'm not just going to make it through. But I'm actually safe. So let's break down this idea of God with us. This reality within this passage and make it practical. So that you can take it with you today. The first command that Elisha gives. And this is where you see the turn for his servant. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Raise your hand if you think you know the most common phrase in the entire Bible. That's, that's repeated more than anything else. Does anybody have any idea? I heard several people say, fear not. It's don't be afraid. It's not, I'm going to strike you down with a, with a bolt of lightning if you mess up. That's what a lot of us think it is. It's not that the wrath of God is going to come out upon you. It's fear not. It's don't be afraid. Do you know how many times it's in there? Do you know that one, Dad? <laughs> Who is that? Tina? Tina. 365 times in the text, it says, fear not, or don't be afraid. For every single day of the year, we can tell ourselves that we don't have to be afraid. I know that those of you that are against the church, you, you were waiting for, well, 365 times it says it about, about oppression of people who just go out and sin and do this and do that and how God's going to strike. No, he says, in a, in a subtle, gentle voice throughout the entirety of the 66 books, don't be afraid. The servant lacks faith. And it's causing fear. But here's the second one. And I love this one just as much. There are more of us than them. So don't be afraid. All right? So what that means is you can leave here today and you don't have to be afraid about those big decisions. You don't have to be afraid about alcohol or drug recovery. You don't have to be afraid about where your marriage is. And you could tell yourself that 
every single day of the year. But why? Because things feel kind of scary. Because your bad thoughts, your darkness, the the people against you, the people that want to see you fail, there are more of us than them. So that army looks great. But right now, as some of you struggle, there are brigades and there are troops and there are chariots into the mountains of Boone's Creek right now surrounding this church. And you have nothing to be afraid of. So don't be afraid. Why? There are more of us than them. And you have to tell yourself this every day. But this is where the activity for you comes in. Because there's always this part. Then he asks him, or asks God, to open the eyes of his faith. So you can hear this, and you can think, well, that, might, that makes a nice little sermon. Well, that sounds okay. I guess for them in that world, in the Christian world, that sounds okay. But what happens in your life if you have the willingness to step out with your eyes open and walk in to every single day seeing the truth of this claim. Don't be afraid. There are more of us than them. God, open the eyes of their faith. Can you imagine what this looks like? I just get chills thinking about this, thinking about this servant saying, what are we going to do? We're surrounded. I know it was good that you were able to warn them so that, so that we didn't get killed and all these things happened, but now they found out and they're surrounding us. And Elisha, just as calm as Deborah was last week, says, Lord, open his eyes. And then all of a sudden, can you imagine being the servant in that moment? And can you imagine as a sick person, maybe, or a person that's, that, that's hurting, as a person that just feels crippled with emotional health issues, as a person that has been damaged and hurt badly, for all of a sudden the eyes of your faith to open, and you can see that you are surrounded by the great love of God. And I know that some of you in here Feel as if you'll never overcome your demons. And your demons aren't mine. And the things that you struggle with and the things that are dark, I don't know exactly what they are. But some of you feel as if that will never happen. But there is an army at any moment that is ready to defend you. Some of you don't have the confidence to step into your gifting or your calling. You just don't believe that that is possible. And there is an army that is ready to defend you. It's there right now. And there are people in here today that feel that the forces of evil desire to destroy them. And this is what I'm encouraging you. Open, encouraging of you. Open your eyes. You're surrounded. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that is something that can begin just as Amanda and Tori and Liam made the decisions they did to profess Christ. It's a decision that you can make today, and it's the only decision. It's the, I should say it's the most important decision that you'll ever make. So I want, you to ch- I want to challenge you to think about this before we close today. You can make a decision to see. 
or you can make a decision not to see. It's, it's a, 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 no decision is a decision not to see. So you can make a decision to see, or you can make a decision not to see. Now, I briefly want to just expound on the differences. Those who can't see always have impossible circumstances. God is very small. God can't come through. Always impossible circumstances. Those who can see serve a miracle-working God. Those who can't see experience isolation from God, and it never feels as if God is really close, unless it's something emotional. Unless there's something emotional going on with a person, they may feel as if they can show some form of gratitude, or they can say, well, God is good. But otherwise, what about the people who can see when there's tremendous pain? That's what I'm talking about today. Those who can't see are often more cynical. And those who can see are more hopeful. So how can we rest knowing that we're surrounded? Here it is today. And this is what you need to take with you. Don't be afraid. Open your eyes. And see that you're surrounded. Don't be afraid. Do not be. Some of you are so consumed with fear about everything. You know, a few weeks ago, we talked about fear and worry. Just everything is fear. Do not be afraid. Open your eyes and see that you're surrounded. This is how you walk into the next panic attack. It's how you do it. This is how you walk away in a healthy way from that difficult breakup or from that really bad family relationship. This is how you face your job loss or the really bad financial news. It's how you do it. What about this one? This is how you walk in to a treatment facility. Whenever you know that you need help. This is how you walk through a struggling and very difficult marriage. And here's the thing. Being surrounded, living with your eyes open, seeing the presence of what God is doing around you, it doesn't mean that everything becomes easy. Because I can promise you, if you were to continue to read the story of Elisha, or if we were to go back in the story of Elisha, he does not live an easy life. It's all about your approach to these things. It's all about the mindset that you have. So as you leave today, some of you have some problems. Some of you have some, some pretty deep wounds that can't be solved in, in one Sunday service. It's just too deep. It's gone on too long. You, you've been hurt for too long. There are things that are going on. Some of you are estranged from certain family members, and you know that's a problem. You know that it's wrong. And others of you are just absolutely consumed by fear. You have no idea what's going on next, and you feel as if you are completely surrounded by the enemy. Now I'm going to say this one more time. 
And then if you'd like to come up and pray, and a prayer today would look like this. Father, help me not to be afraid. Open my eyes. Help me see that I'm surrounded. And you can conquer anything in your life. With all heads bowed this morning and all eyes closed. Father, we come to you this morning and I pray nothing short of a broken heart. God, that there are people that are in this room right now that needed to hear this and, and God, that they're just in a place with, with, their, with their marriage or with a friendship or with an addiction or with distance from you because they, they've, they walked away from you some time ago. Father, they're hurting. They're frustrating. And every single morning when they get up or that alarm clock goes off, it feels like it's such pain to face another day. And you know, for some of us, God, there are a lot of good things, but it's just this, this numbness or this, I'm, I'm missing something. And Father, my prayer today, and I believe this with all my heart, that as we close this prayer out, that around this warehouse building in this moment that we call a church, we are surrounded by your comfort and your protection and your desire to freshly, anew, invite us in. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit Believer'sChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.